Welcome to another episode of Papua. I am your host, Desiree. And I'm Tyrone. And we are not, not your, your attorneys. attorneys. Start off the top. want to make sure everyone knows what this section is called. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? So it's been all over social media. And, you know, we have this sense of Pride and blackness in sports. This Nike and Colin Kaepernick campaign has just taken social media by storm. You know, black people have been reposting it. So very happy that <laughs> Nike has backed Colin. And then you had other people burning their Nike sneakers on their feet. She said other people in quotations. <laughs> <laughs> So it's very, very surprising. You know, people were saying Nike stock is going down. I'm never buying Nike again, but it has risen 31% as of today. Well, in the name of our uh, segment, who said that? Because (laughs) (laughs) I just don't understand how people who weren't really purchasing Nike that much anyway thought they were going to affect the bottom line for Nike. (laughs) Right. Nike crunched the numbers and they were like, hmm. We see who our audience is. And it is probably not the people who would threaten to boycott us anyway. So (laughs) why don't we just... I mean, it's one of those things where it's like corporate consciousness and how, you know, sincere or authentic is them getting behind Colin Kaepernick. Well, when it comes down to it for any business, they're going to do what makes sense for them Mm money-wise. But it's nice when what makes sense money-wise lines up with like moral conscience as well. So... I think it's a win-win for most people, to be quite honest. Yeah, I agree. I'm very happy about it. The funniest thing I've seen on social media so far has been a person throwing away their Nikes, but they were actually New Balances. I'm like, see, you just are so far off. How do you not know (laughs) that it's a different brand? It says it right on there. Right on there. But, you know, we just go keep pushing forward. Uh, we have some great things coming up in the works. We will be moderating a panel with Beesla. So that is the Black Entertainment Sports Law Association. Oh, she's starting off right on the top with the announcements. (laughs) (laughs) You better check for us, you know. Yeah, so we will be moderating that panel September 27th. Come check us out. Go on Beesla's website and our website for more information or social media handles. But you know, enough of the world. Let's get into yeah. these cases. So this is something that I don't know a ton about. Cause y'all know we don't be talking about sports a lot on here. <laughs> <laughs> but it is something that I've actually sort of followed for the last couple of years because it relates to how college athletes are playing. So, you know, actually in law school, I did uh, my research paper on college athletic sports and the NCAA and how they pay or not pay these athletes. And it was in my uh, nonprofit organization class Mm. because NCAA is a nonprofit organization for people who don't know. (laughs) And my research was really intense. Right, nonprofit. And my 
professor told me, you know, you should back off a little bit because this can be problematic. <laughs> and I fear for your safety because we were actually publishing these research papers. So, yeah, she she was concerned for me. But I'm happy to see other people are taking and <laughs> delve into this. That's so problematic where she was like, I feel for your safety because not for the safety from the players who you're probably advocating for, but right. from the large institutions who would try to you know, send any type of malice your way. So anyway, right. let's just get right into it. <laughs> so college basketball players and football players and any major sports, they are not paid and they're not allowed to be compensated for their services that they provide because of the fact that A, NCAA is a nonprofit and B, they feel like if you pay players in an amateur, what is supposed to be amateur sport, amateur it, will, sports, right. it will taint <laughs> the you know the ethics of the game if you will but mm -hmm. that doesn't stop these large um universities from doing these crazy big billion dollar deals for promotions for games and endorsements and so you find recently that a lot of players have had enough and so that brings us to a recent lawsuit that was in March 2014, sports labor attorney Jeffrey Kessler, he filed an antitrust lawsuit against the NCAA and the five largest conferences, the Southeastern Big Ten, Pacific 12, Atlantic Coast, and Big 12, in a New Jersey federal court on behalf of a group of college basketball and football players. And he was arguing that the association has essentially unlawfully capped player compensation at the value of an athletic scholarship, which is literally nothing. <laughs> and I'm happy to see that so far, but that, that uh, we'll, we'll get into the case, but I'm just reminded before we continue, I remember being in college and it would be football players and basketball players, you know, just the cost of tuition was covered, but not necessarily mm -hmm. books. They couldn't work because they were practicing all the time, but didn't have money for food gas mm -hmm. if they had a car clothing anything else so then it's like okay my tuition a portion of it is paid for but what else and if i exactly. take money i can get kicked out of school because it violates the ncaa rules and so it was just very frustrating what if you come from a poor family who can't afford the extras you know and which so, a lot of players do so that exactly. is why this is so controversial because you're it's like almost a form of, I don't want to call it slavery because that's, I don't want to misuse mm -hmm. the term slavery, but <laughs> indentured servitude to where you're like yeah. forcing these people to pretty much destroy their bodies at their own will, of course, but yeah. they don't really get a lot for it. And I, we, you know, we are some educated people on this show. We have degrees, mm -hmm. but a degree is not worth shortening your lifespan by, you know, 15, 20 years. But anyway, some more facts about what's going on. So at the same time of this other case, in West Virginia, running back Sean Austin filed a lawsuit in Seattle against the same defendants asking them to pay damage for the difference in the value of an athletic scholarship and the full cost of attendance, an amount equivalent to several thousand dollars annually. So the two cases were combined and argued in two parts. In February 2017, the Austin part of the case was settled. The judge confirmed a settlement where the NCAA agreed to pay 
$1.7 million to a group of athletes involved in NCAA competition from 2009 to 2016 who didn't get the cost of attendance payments. Who didn't get the cost of attendance payments. With the Kessler lawsuit still in play, we must give a little background on how this case came about. So in 2009, Ed O'Bannon to the NCAA and video game company Electronic Arts under antitrust laws on behalf of current and former college athletes who receive no compensation when their names, images, and likenesses are sold. So the abandoned case finally went to trial in 2014. EA Sports departed the original lawsuit and settled the O'Bannon case for $60 million. The NCAA continued to fight the lawsuit. The judge ruled in favor of O'Bannon and determined that the NCAA's long-held practice of barring payments to student-athletes violated antitrust laws. The judge ordered that the school should be allowed to offer full cost of attendance scholarships to athletes covering cost of living expenses that were not currently part of NCAA scholarships. The judge also ruled that colleges will be permitted to place as much as $5,000 into a trust for each player's year of eligibility. Following the settlement, the Kessler lawsuit was amended in hopes for student athletes to gain a bigger piece of the pie. Instead of college athletes being limited to only receiving scholarships covering tuition, fees, room and board, books, and incidental costs of attending college, the amended complaint hopes to seek compensation from the NCAA from the $16 billion contracts that the nonprofit organization has with cable broadcasters. Just one point I like to make, which I thought was very funny, when Ed O'Bannon sued EA Sports they decided to take the college athletes' names off of the jerseys during the video games, and I just thought that was hilarious. So that was a way that they tried to get around paying the athletes, but you see, the athletes still got their money. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much amount of trickery and deceit <laughs> you can do before <laughs> they figure out what's going on. With all that said, this case is relevant today because the case is finally going to trial in Oakland, California. And the judge Yay, in this that's case, my hometown. Sorry. <laughs> and the judge in this case is the same judge that presided over the O'Bannon case. So the judge must now decide whether to enjoin the NCAA from enforcing a rule that fixes or limits compensation or benefits that schools may all for athletes, and of course, the NCAA and conference division are opposed to the injunction. So, the defendants argue that the schools would compensate for highly sought after athletes and provide them with more compensation to attend certain schools. They feel that this will hurt the schools with less money and diminish the game, which will in turn negatively affect consumer interest in sports. Pay for play will ultimately, and they feel that. Pay for play will ultimately remove amateurism from the sports in general. The um, plaintiffs argue. <laughs> uh, hold on. First of all, that's literally what's happening anyway. <laughs> exactly. Like what? That's literally the current system we have. Y'all, y'all fine. You give them these large scholarships to come to your school. You know, like and the schools that some of these players wouldn't either wouldn't even be academically like eligible for otherwise like Lord. sometimes they meet the bare minimum standards to get into these universities if and they, it's like if they meet them 
Like, you know, from my research, it was like the average college football player reads at a third grade level, which is which... horrible because they've been passed along for all of these years just to play sports for these schools. And one of the most heartbreaking things that I discovered, I won't say the name of the player or the school, but he was this great player, like all American, won a championship in one of these big conferences. He was the one that made it happen. And it was all these newspaper articles written about him, but he could not read them. And he went to the counselor and asked her to read the article for him. So everybody's happy and proud of you, but you can't even read the article Ugh. about yourself. And I'm That's like, ridiculous. oh my God. So the plaintiffs argue that there's no proof whatsoever of any negative impact on the viewing audience for college sports, nor any causal effect on the compensation rules and whether consumers follow, watch, or attend games, which, I mean, truly everyone <laughs> knows what's up. It's, I don't know what yeah. they're talking about. So ultimately, I feel that college athletes want to be compensated for their likeness on television and video games and not right. be limited to compensation for only college scholarships, which only makes sense. Yeah, I'm very excited. Hopefully the judge rules in favor of the athletes because I do think that they need a piece of the pie. When you have these television companies and big other like merchandise companies, I know in the things that I've done, like Walmart was a big contributor to these um, yeah. sports and even, even sports apparel and they don't get any money off of this. And so they need to live and survive and be able to take care of their families. As If everybody else is able to do it off of them, like, why not? I think the trust idea, though, is really a really interesting one and could work mm. out very well. Yeah. Because it's like, if we're making these deals and it's essentially based off of how you play and your stats and your likeness, that you should be compensated and you may not want to compensate that person while they're in school. Right. Exactly. But establishing like, Oh, once you graduated, like this money is yours. And so I think that's a crafty way to sort of get around paying players right at the time because they're not going to get the instant gratification of getting right. all this money. And so they still are going to have to work hard, you know, to, prove themselves and make sure that they're good players and that they maintain their academic standards yeah that they won't be able to get it they'd be like oh you have to graduate <laughs> to get your <laughs> your trust <laughs> yeah the trust is a good idea so yeah let's get into one of my favorite basketball players we're gonna or former basketball players we're going to stay on this sports track so in other sports news we are going to talk about one of my favorite former basketball players. You guys may know him for his like of Honey Nut Cheerios. If you don't, <laughs> Google it. Mr. Kevin Garnett, he is a former Minnesota Timberwolves and Boston Celtics basketball player. And he is suing his former accounting firm for federal malpractice. We've told you guys plenty of times on other episodes about these Many. accountants stealing money. So... Y'all just got to pay attention. Many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> so Kevin is alleging that the Kentucky-based accountant Michael Wortham and Wellenken CPAs enabled Charles Banks IV, very official sounding, right. <laughs> of Atlanta to defraud him out of 
$77 million through businesses in which Garnett and Banks shared an interest. When I tell you that there's no way that this happened in like one big swoop of money. Right. This was over time. Mm-hmm. And that is what is so important. If you go back to that Alanis Morissette episode, like a lot of this stuff happens over time. Yeah. And so you got to be real careful about who you put on your team because $77 million doesn't disappear overnight. That's years and years, years. of mismanagement. Right. But, you know, in the lawsuit, um, Kevin's attorneys are saying that Wortham possessed actual knowledge, and that's the firm, that Banks was helping himself to millions of dollars of Garnett's money and did nothing about it. Interestingly enough, the alleged thief Banks is not named in a lawsuit. Banks was sentenced last year to four years in federal prison for defrauding another former NBA star, retired San Antonio Spurs player Tim Duncan, out of millions of dollars. The defendants, through their attorney, deny the claims and plan to vigorously fight the lawsuit. Like, okay, you can fight it, but if Banks has a track record of Mm -hmm. stealing money and you're already in jail for stealing money from another basketball player, the likelihood that you have stolen money from Kevin Garnett is there. I don't know if it was $77 but y'all knew something. Yeah, they enabled... Uh, Charles Banks to get away with this and to be quite honest they probably benefited in some way yeah Um, and so that's why it may have been easy to overlook what was going on with this deal with him but we don't know exactly what happened but I know the facts as laid out provided by (laughs) USA Today in them and it sounds like this may be one where y'all just have to settle it and take one for the team for not being on your, your P's and Q's so now, soccer. Soccer is a major sport, you know. And this has to do with streaming soccer on Facebook. And this is sort of interesting, I would like to point out, because Desiree and I have both worked in the area of television, and particularly the distribution of television. And so this sort of comes down to, like, contractually what you're able to do in a television distribution agreement. So... It's a dispute between Dish Network and Univision, and Dish is suing Univision for streaming their soccer matches on Facebook. And so Dish is alleging that Univision has undercut the value of their licensing deal by streaming Mexico's top soccer league, Liga MX, matches on Facebook, while at the same time Dish was streaming the matches on television network. So just to be clear for everyone who's not super familiar That is actually two sets of rights. So when you have something that you can put on TV, that's usually called your linear rights. And then when you have something that you can put online, that's usually a different set of rights. And you usually have an agree. You have um, parts in your contracts about what you can do with both sets of those rights. Correct. So the difference is that Facebook Live broadcasts are in English. In Univision, it was in Spanish. So Dish admits that the rights it obtained from Univision under the agreement were to be Spanish language linear services. However, Dish maintained that the rights were broad and a soccer match is a soccer match despite the language. I fell out laughing. (laughs) We know from drafting and contracting rights, as Mm -hmm. Tyrone said, 
a soccer match is not a soccer match where you are displaying it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Univision filed for a motion to dismiss the lawsuit, but the judge denied the motion. The reasons for denying the motion have been withheld until the parties have a chance to redact the commercially sensitive portions of the opinion. So, meanwhile, the feud between Dish and Univision has escalated in the year since the lawsuit was first filed. So, in the past month, the parties have been at a standoff on a new contract as Univision has been blacked out on the Dish Network service. And I would just like to point out that when um, Desiree just said the reasons for denying the motion to dismiss, it's literally what we just said because you're dealing with two different sets of rights. Being yep. able to put something on a platform such as Facebook, it's like it's not the same as being like, here's your television linear stream that you get through our dish services and here's us displaying it it don't work like that (laughs) so it's pretty on its face for people who are familiar with you know television distribution rights and you know the digital and mobile rights that you have as well those things are highly highly negotiated and it sounds like univision is trying to play dumb here and (laughs) pretend that they are all one and the same and broad and the language is broad for interpretation, which it could be based off of what is written in the agreement. In agreement, but yeah. I think it's uh, trade practice. It is understood in the industry that those rights usually don't come along with your traditional linear television services. So I so would be that surprised. Means drafters <laughs> get it together. <laughs> Absolutely, I'd be so surprised if they were not very intentional. But, yeah. And I know because it's they're using the words linear services straight yeah. out of the agreement. So I don't know what they got a very creative lawyer over there who's going to argue this because <laughs> from my point of view, it's a pill battle. You know, and then it comes down to historically, what does linear service means in all mm-hmm. of our agreements? <laughs> Laura, we've been through that. But OK, let's move on. <laughs> Y'all president is at it again. Mm, this I'm... time <laughs> <laughs> he and his administration may now be attacking u.s copyright law in an ambiguous <laughs> press release <laughs> from the office of the u.s trade representative the trump administration announced that it has reached a preliminary agreement with mexico to revise the north american free trade agreement two things Yes, we are doing business with Mexico, the same country that your president wants to build a wall. Mm-hmm. And two, the North American Free Trade Agreement is something that we will discuss in the breakdown. So stay tuned for the breakdown to learn all about that. Yes. And for those who feel like you've never heard that n- name before, also known as NAFTA. Because, you know, he doesn't say a lot of words. He tries to, you know, keep it succinct as possible. Right. So, according to some certain government officials, the deal will lead to freer markets, fairer trade, and robust economic growth. And also, I would like to say that their interim name is the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement, which the acronym would be USMC. And Desiree, if you could just turn to Jamar right now and say, they over here trying to call this United States Marine Corps. (laughs) (laughs) 
Right. Not on, not on my watch. Um, so USMC, also known as NAFTA currently, it's the new trade deal that we're all trying to do, or that United States, Mexico, and Canada are trying to do. But the item mm-hmm. that sort of got everyone's attention was in a fact sheet that was originally put out by the Office of U.S. Trade Representative, and it indicates that the copyright term would extend for certain works to 75 years. And why does that matter, Desiree? (laughs) Because currently the copyright term for most works is life of the author plus 70 years. Mm -hmm. If what is meant to be announced is an extension of the life of the author plus 75 years, it will represent five more years to copyright protection. While an additional five years added to the current copyright may not seem like a big deal, the extension can become controversial as a bunch of copyrights are set to soon expire and will pour into the public domain. Uh, The public domain consists of all the creative works to which no exclusive intellectual property rights apply. Those works may have expired, been forfeited, expressly waived, or may be inapplicable. So if there's something in the public domain, y'all don't have to get a copyright license. We're not your attorneys, by the way. No. But, but you be, will be able is... to use it without permission. <laughs> so if you want to have a little phrase, you know, we had all types of idioms when we studied for the bar. So <laughs> public domain is fair game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can keep that one. That's for free. <laughs> I ain't gonna charge you for that one, right? So, but the the fact sheet also indicates that the copyright term will extend for works like song performances. So it's also possible that this potential extension for the designated term would pertain only to certain classes of authorship. So again, this is a little bit more information than you need about copyright. But now, copyright sort of divided into pre-1976 and like post-1976 and how things are treated. And then there's also the certain type of works and how long they get protection. And that's all this is referring to. Mm -hmm. But all of this may just be for naught because it is this this 75-year extension or I guess five-year extension. It's rumored that it only may be a typo. And I would not be surprised based off the competency of this administration. And then ultimately as well, you have to remember that all of the Copyright Act and, you know, past legislation is just that. So even though this is a trade agreement, it would have to be ratified by Congress for any of this to apply because the president cannot unilaterally change copyright law. So keep that in mind as well. Yeah, and this... New IP chapter will may also establish a notice and takedown system for internet service providers. It's unclear whether that will mean new rules or merely harmonize Mexico into the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which establishes safe harbors for internet service providers under certain conditions. And so, again, that is more information that you need. The Digital Millennial Copyright Act is or DMCA is something that's very important for internet service providers. So this, you know, NAFTA thing can kind of affect copyrights in general if it's not a typo. But again, (laughs) stay tuned for the breakdown and we'll go a little bit further into what NAFTA is and how it may impact copyright law. 
Now for some updates. So y'all remember our hashtag me too episode. And that's where we really dove into the Terry Crews situation. And if you can remember, Terry Crews was alleging that he was sexually assaulted by the Hollywood talent agent, Adam Bennett. And he was working for WME at the time. And, you know, Cruz was represented by someone at WME and they were at a party. And that's when he said the incident happened. So Cruz sued Bennett and his employer, WME. And during the investigation, Bennett was suspended and demoted. Cruz may not have been victorious in his criminal lawsuit against Bennett due to time lapse for criminal misdemeanors in California, but he now lands on the winning side of his civil legal battle. WME has settled the Cruz lawsuit and has forced Bennett into retirement. Of course, we don't know the terms of the settlement. Usually those Mm. settlement agreements are confidential, but after the news of the settlement and Bennett's exit, Cruz wrote on Twitter with a single word, accountability in all caps. And oh, I would also like to point out that he posted the apology letter that Adam Bennett wrote on Twitter Mm. as well. And not only that, he posted when he sent it, which was, I believe, in maybe March or April of this year. And then he posted sent and received such and such (laughs) date back in March of this year. And then on another line, he wrote, accepted September 9th, like whatever the date was, 2018. I was like, oh my gosh. So he was like, no, no, no. This is not going to be, until something actually happens to you, this isn't going to be accepted. And so he waited for that settlement agreement to be signed off on before he was like, I am accepting this. And the fact that he posted the whole thing online for everyone to read, I was like, oh, he is not playing. Not playing at all. No more Hollywood back deals for you, Adam Bennett. This is going to be all on the front page for everyone to see. Right. I'm not mad at Terry Crews at all. Absolutely not. This is the breakdown. Today's topic... North American Free Trade Agreement, also known as NAFTA. The North American Free Trade Agreement is an agreement signed by Canada, Mexico, and the United States, creating a trilateral trade block in North America. NAFTA has two supplements, the North American Agreement on Environmental Cooperation and the North American Agreement on Labor Cooperation. The goal of NAFTA was to eliminate barriers to trade and investment between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. The implementation of NAFTA on January 1, 1994, brought the immediate elimination of tariffs on more than one half of Mexico's exports to the United States and more than one third of U.S. exports to Mexico. Within 10 years of the implementation of the agreement, All U.S.-Mexico tariffs were to be eliminated except for some U.S. agricultural exports to Mexico to be phased out within 15 years. Most U.S.-Canada trade was already duty-free. NAFTA also sought to eliminate non-tariff trade barriers and to protect the intellectual property rights on traded products. The North American Free Trade Agreement Implementation Act made some changes to the copyright law of the United States on certain motion pictures which had entered the public domain. And that was the breakdown. So now for some pop culture roundup. 
I think there's only one thing that matters in pop culture in this past week or weeks, wherever you're listening to this episode. And that is um, Thriller versus Manila. That is <laughs> Evander Holyfield versus <laughs> uh, Mike Tyson. It is the one and only Nicki Minaj and Cardi B fighting down at the fashion shows <laughs> during New York Fashion Week. And not at the fashion Lord. show. This actually was a party. This was, I think, Harper's Bazaar party. The Harper's so it wasn't Bazaar a icons show party. Itself. And I must say that I really didn't have a side to pick because A, I enjoyed all of the foolishness that came out of it and all of the <laughs> memes. And B, for people who are like, I can't believe they're so ghetto and why would they do this there? Have you ever watched any season of any Housewives of whatever? There's only well, one season or there's only one franchise of that show that has predominantly black women. Well, two, there's the Potomac and Atlanta. The rest of them are all white women and they be fighting. One, the one woman, she, she threw her leg across the room. <laughs> she took <laughs> off her prosthetic leg and threw it. I don't want to hear it. Don't try to make this about any one of them being ghetto or whatever, this, that, and the other, okay? I refuse. Well, I am going to interject. You know, Tyrone might feel like I have a side in this case, but I actually don't. I am very neutral. Um, <laughs> Ebarra being however, neutral? Oh my gosh. They're going to kick you out. <laughs> I, I do think that this is not reality TV. Therefore, you cannot behave in a like you are still on reality TV. Only one person was in that genre and it wasn't Queen Nikki. Now, um, wait, wait, wait. I don't think it was a time. You you say that. Yeah. I don't think it was a time or the place. But I do think if you feel like you are being disrespected, (laughs) like, you know, you can go up and have a conversation without necessarily throwing hands. Absolutely disagree. There's if you're gonna fight someone, the time and place is whenever you see them. So <laughs> I don't think I have, so. When you work that hard to get to a certain place, like you, So you're saying you she shouldn't fight her wherever. I'm saying I think that if, if she's gonna was fight real, you wouldn't be going up to talk. You just if you wanna be that low down, you should just have gone up and snuffed her. You don't even say no words. So if you wanna act like you back on reality show, it ain't no talking like you talked about my kid, you said this, you blocking me, this and that. No, just take off on me when you see me. Otherwise, <laughs> just don't do anything at that moment. I'm sure they have ways to get in contact with each other if she really wants to do something. But you know what? Cardi just proved that she is not necessarily ready to be in the spotlight she responds to everything on social media and gets personally upset people always go talk about you it's how you respond but i do see it's only so much the other side of that is it's only so much that you can take so yeah that is I, why i, I am neutral if you even if you listen post fight to nikki's queen radio or you heard snippets of it she was still trying to antagonize her. And Nikki <laughs> like, is smart because you, you make yourself look bad. That's only going to hurt Cardi, not Nikki. She, I think she's intentional. She's very calculated and smart. So you make Cardi look bad and people be like, oh, she don't belong here. She's blocked out of these places. So, But here's I the thing. Know. Guess guess what? You know what's not happening? She ain't selling any more copies of that album. 
by doing any of this who nikki this doesn't help her sell more albums so i don't know why she would do it i don't think it's about albums at this point I it think is to her utter- you saw her screaming down at travis scott talking about yeah, but those you selling packages <laughs> she, she she was bad at travis for uh selling packages and merch that people haven't got first of all because they've been going in on him on twitter and instagram for not receiving that merch that he uh you know so with that stuff but i think those are two separate things nikki is worried about album sales but not when it comes to cardi so and you know who's not worried about any of it beyonce because she (laughs) just posted on instagram that she is living her best life and like i'm pretty sure those are very close to her actual words she's like i am doing what i love i'm so happy to be touring with with who i love the person I love doing what I love to do. She's giving you inches. I think she had like 40 inches or something in her hair the other day. And I was just like, my goodness, see what drinking your water and minding your business yes. will get you. Yes. It will get you her last a long marriage. 10 shows. And- As of today, she's in Houston. I'm sad. I, I just love seeing, you know, on the run too. But hopefully we'll be getting a new album and an independent Beyonce concert soon. Absolutely. And that wouldn't come till next year. And that's fine because she needs to take off the time to continue being a mother, to recharge, to come up with fresh ideas and to deliver on music that continues to push the industry forward. And with that said, (laughs) the beehive is out. And remember, (laughs) (laughs) we we are are not not your your attorneys. attorneys. Bye.